Hello you awesome beings, welcome to Things I Wish I'd Known. This podcast is a love letter to my younger self of all the things I wish I'd known before I had deep issues with my mental health and my spiritual awakening. I hope you enjoy listening. Why not head to my website and purchase the new Live From Lockdown, seven guided meditations and gong meditations for your listening pleasure. Use the code TIWIK15, T-I-W-I-K-15 to get 15% off now. Hello and welcome to Things I Wish I'd Known with your host Rachel, the founder of Welford Wellbeing. Today I'm really excited to be here with Jamie Lee Grace. She has done so many things in her life, it's almost (laughs) difficult to create an intro for her. She's an author of several books, including her latest one, which was out on Hay House, Look Great Naturally Without Ditching the Lipstick. She also runs her own podcast, which I've been luckily a guest on as well, the Alcohol Free Podcast. She runs a members club, the Sober Club. She is a presenter, a speaker. She does so many different things. She's been in the music industry for many, many years, which is obviously quite a hedonistic lifestyle which is why I really wanted to get her on because I think we in different ways have had quite similar backgrounds from going from quite hedonistic lifestyles to to quite clean living lifestyles so welcome Janie it's so nice to have you here yeah lovely to be here thank you you're welcome thanks for joining so I guess a really good way to start is just how did you get into, you know, obviously your background is like quite hedonistic and you've had this incredible career and it's continuing and it's just moving from being quite hedonistic into this more sober lifestyle and just be mm-hmm. interesting to know how did that play out for you because everyone's journey is different. Yeah, I mean, I started off as a backing singer. I was a backing singer for a lot of really famous people like Wham and Mary Wilson and Boy George and a whole bunch of real stars, you know. So so that was an amazing time. And, you know, when I think back, it was a very kind of hedonistic lifestyle. And we were, you know, clubbing it and obviously touring and, and everything that that means. And then I had my own hit record, which was, I often call it my five minutes of fame, literally kind of... <laughs> Throw, throw it against well. the wall, you know, seven ways to love. But here's what's interesting about all of that. <laughs> it's probably not what, you, what you're expecting to hear or even particularly want to hear, is that actually I was always the kind of in control one throughout all of it. So I never, ever, ever took drugs. In fact, I never even wanted a sniff of it because I was terrified. It's as simple as right. that. I was absolutely terrified of not being in control. Yeah. So I, I look back and I find it quite interesting to look back on my own life. And I can see that what was actually what was really going on was that I was incredibly insecure, incredibly anxious. I had a mum with mental illness, really mm. severe mental illness. And something must have I don't know, clicked in my brain very early on that said, don't mess with you know, stuff that messes with your brain because it might not go well. And Mm. so I had a sort of really, really strong inbuilt sort of sense of, what's the word, self-preservation, I suppose. And my way of keeping myself safe was to, what I thought, remain in control. And what that meant for me, it meant that I was terrified Mm. of um, anyone, drugs, everything else clear around me was doing and I was perfectly fine to be in that environment and I was having a great time but I wasn't partaking in any of that somehow I managed to stay with the crowd you know because I wasn't being sort of judgmental or or anything with anybody else maybe I should have been but I just wasn't doing it and it's and even with the alcohol I was relatively in control because I didn't like being hung over which of course Mm. is a feeling of being out of control as well but then the alcohol for me built up much later when I yeah. was when I had kids actually was when the alcohol ramped up but even then of course I didn't see the alcohol in the same way as the drugs and you know no, nobody it, does or certainly didn't is, back then right yeah, this is what I was going to ask actually because I think that's quite an interesting point to make is that actually how we class different drugs in a mm-hmm. comments right so you know cigarettes and alcohol are quite safe you know yep. that's they're like yep. publicly available however exactly. things like you know i don't know doing cocaine or yeah. um, ecstasy or you know i don't know any kind of even street, weed anything like that any yeah. kind of street yep. drugs are not safe right exactly but actually they all have very similar 
well not similar not similar effects at all actually but you know they all Mm. have the similar effect of changing your consciousness and changing your Mm. your cognitive ability in some way right yeah so yeah I guess that's interesting that it was later on so how did that play Mm. out with with the alcohol for you so I mean really it was just a case of I was part of the classic thing that everyone goes through really or many people do where sort of it's a societal norm of course and I don't think it really ramped up till I was sort of married and or certainly living with my partner and we had a nice house and we had enough money Mm. and so what do people with you know a nice house and enough money and friends do they have friends over and they have a nice nice bottle of wine you know an expensive bottle of wine and that's what you do isn't it and Mm. I mean honestly now I, I know I've said this to you before probably when I interviewed you on my podcast but it just never ceases to amaze me that kind of relatively bright people are all duped by this. Everyone, mm. everyone, everyone. It's incredible. Anyway, so, so I, cultural, I was, you know, isn't it? totally so cultural. cultural. And particularly when I had my children, that was when it really ramped up. We moved house and I was just around the corner from a kind of wine bar and, and, and I was really frazzled and working hard and and at that point two young kids or I might have even had three by then Mm. and I had a strong sense of needing me time you know busy mummy busy working you know where's my reward where's my grown-up time and the grown-up time obviously equated as it does for so many people or did with me going out and having alcohol you know and that was and so literally the day would end or whatever and it'd be like thank god you know someone else can look after the kids for a bit and I can now feel grown up and that's and I look back and I can see that's absolutely how it started so where it started as a me thinking of it as a reward and Mm. probably one glass was okay to start with and then it ramps up because that's what it does because it's a highly addictive drug you know and of course the emperor isn't actually wearing any clothes but I didn't know that at the time (laughs) I like that that analogy it's true I think it's interesting when you kind of see that the naked emperor as you like yes that this whole cultural thing that had been laid out I I remember being really shocked because alcohol to me was never really even an issue I just gave up because you know I had mental health problems and I Mm. knew that alcohol was a depressant so if you're trying to heal depression probably a good thing to do is cut it out for a bit you know and that's kind of how my journey started and but then what I wasn't expecting was this whole thing of oh hang on a second alcohol is advertised everywhere yeah and I'm being made to feel like I shouldn't go out anymore because I don't drink when actually I can quite happily sit in the pub or go to a nightclub, you know, and I was still going to parties and dancing all night and doing all the stuff that I used to do when I was drunk, but just doing it not drunk. And people were asking me, you know, things like, isn't that a bit weird? Mm. Like going out to a nightclub and I'm like, no, I still really like dancing and I still really like the music. Why would it be weird? It'd almost be more weird for me to stop going because it's something that I really enjoy. And I just started seeing all these layers of how we're taught of what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. Mm. And I think that's really interesting what you said about it being a reward, Mm. about it being adult. And it's kind of like, I have definitely noticed that. I don't know if you felt the same where... Sometimes I'll go out for a drink and if there's not a particularly great, you know, sober menu there, then I'll end up having a Coke or something. And there's something about that that makes me feel a bit like I don't want to sit in a pub and drink a Coke. I feel like I'm on the kids table. Well, yeah, I mean, it was, I think it was one of the reasons that it took me so long to ditch the booze, actually, Mm. because obviously I thought about it for many years before I did it. And, And looking back, I realized that I think one of the major pluses when I finally ditched the booze was that mm. I was able to have an amazing choice of alcohol-free drinks because, of course, mm. the market has changed so massively. Oh, and it was, it, 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 was, it was actually in the early days finding those alcohol-free wines or fizzy alcohol-free whatever mm. or kombuchas was what made the difference yeah. because I was, you know, it's that great expression, isn't there? Keep the ritual, change the ingredients. Oh. So I literally kept that ritual. I had a lovely wine glass. I don't know why glasses have to be called wine glasses. How can the receptacle be named by what goes in it? Drives me mad. But anyway, we know what we mean. So yeah. I had a lovely wine glass with some chilled whatever it was. And okay, it didn't taste the same, but I 
told myself, okay, I'm keeping the ritual. And that was actually really important. I couldn't have done it if I'd been just trying to have a warm orange juice or a Coke, which I hate. Mm. So it, it actually, the alcohol-free drinks market is, is really, I'm really very grateful that I that totally, changed at that time. I totally agree. And I, I really like what you just said about keep the ritual, change yeah. the ingredients. I yeah. think that is just a really powerful statement actually because it is a ritual a lot of the time mm, it is you know, and that is what I missed is similarly when I gave up smoking you know that's mm. what I missed I missed the ritual of getting my tobacco rolling a mm, cigarette mm. or like you know that moment in the pub mm. when you sort of yeah. you you and your mate know that you're going to go for a yeah. cigarette it's the anticipation it's kind of little... actually isn't it yeah people have often said it's it's not the taste of the drink the the actually everything's all working and the mm. buzz has kicked in before you've even taken the first sip it's, it's not really about what's in the glass. No. It's about what's going on in your head. And the dopamine is already released because yes. you think, oh, yeah, you know, my reward, my relaxation is coming. You know? Yeah, so exactly. It's just everything is in your head, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> we know that now. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's really powerful to see what's happening with the alcohol-free market. And I, mm. I totally agree. It's much nicer. You know, now I, you know, have a couple of different brands that, that I really, really enjoy. And I think you know, if it's late at night, there's a particular drink I pour over ice and, I, you know, and it's, it's yeah. similar. It's not, it's alcohol free. It's, it's similar to having a nightcap in a inverted yeah. commas, but it's, it's not, but I really enjoy the taste of it. It feels yeah, exactly. adult. It feels complex in the taste. It's not just like having a cup of tea. It's something different. It's like you say, keep the ritual, change mm. the ingredients. Mm. And the same with a particular alcohol free gin and tonic that I just think is amazing. It tastes so good. Mm. And so, you know, in the summer when everyone's cracking open whatever that can be a bit of a trigger for me sometimes and I'll just have one of those and I'm like mm. oh I, I get yeah. the same exactly like you say I get exactly the same benefits yeah without any of the fallout of it of the hangover of the negative mindset of the kind of couple of weeks of my inner critic digging away at me and all that stuff so yeah, yeah. it's pretty powerful to keep the ritual and change change yeah. the ingredient I really like that I'm gonna Take take that one. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> sure. Well, I've got an online course. My I've got an online course course mm. called Get the Buzz Without the Booze, and that's oh, exactly great. what you know I'm trying to encourage people to recognise that you can absolutely get all of the same buzz, the same feeling, the same dopamine hit because you're mm. you're doing something you enjoy, you know. But you don't need the poison to be no. able to do that, you know. If it's a crap party, it's a crap party whether you're drinking or not. If it's a good party, it's a good party, and we just have got to get our head around this, you know. It's just it cannot possibly be about what's in the glass. No. And I think it's interesting what you said there as well about, you know, if it's a good party, it's a good party. If it's a crap party, it's a crap party. Because there's so many events and things that I've been to now sober that I'm like, okay, I'm going to go now. Bye. Mm. Because yeah. it's actually just not a good event. I'm not yeah, enjoying people's exactly. company. I'm not much more present and self-aware within myself. And yeah. other ones where I've been shocked, you know, I remember one of the first sort of raves that I went to and, I went up to my friend and I said, I might go soon, babe. I'm getting really tired now. And she started laughing. And I said, what? And she, I said, what are you laughing at? She went, I'm surprised you're still here. And I said, why? And she went, it's 5 a.m., babe. <laughs> yeah. I, thought, I thought I was going to be home by midnight, you know, 1 a.m. I thought, I'll stay for a set and then, you know, I want to support her and then I'll, I'll hot foot it out of here. But the music was so good. I was having such a lovely time. I was with such great people, some of yeah. whom I knew and some people I didn't. I was just having great conversation, really brilliant music, dancing my butt off and didn't realize the time, you know. And I just think <laughs> actually like a lot of the limitations that we place on ourselves are in our head. Oh, okay, well, I don't drink now, so therefore I can't do these certain things anymore, you know. Yeah. And I know for some people as well, I'm not trying to be flippant about that, obviously, if people are dealing with addictions and various other things then potentially avoiding pubs or nightclubs all that kind of stuff is probably the most sensible mm. I think yeah until... I think it's what works for you isn't it really exactly. some people can just get straight out there and and other people find it better just to hold up for a little while and yeah you've just got to listen to what's going on for you exactly and I think that is the one thing around you know not drinking is that increase self-awareness mm. where you can actually listen to that inner voice a bit clearer and say yeah. okay yeah no this isn't going to work for me and yeah. to be able to have that choice because you know what like sometimes I am happy just to go out and dance all night and other times I'm on Netflix and chill things very mm. much mm. <laughs> I don't yeah. actually want to go go anywhere yeah. <laughs> so what's been your biggest learning do you think so far from coming through this sobriety uh, 
Well, I mean, there's been there's been so many things really, but I suppose the the biggest thing for me really has been recognizing the link between alcohol and anxiety. Mm. I really had no idea. I mean, you said you knew that alcohol was a depressant, so you chose yeah. to stop. I mean, I can honestly say that I didn't. You know, I didn't. I didn't know that. How bizarre! I've never made that connection. You know, because you hear that. You know, we kind of think, oh, we want to celebrate. Great, let's have alcohol. Oh, mm. we. You know, well, so it is allegedly both helps you to celebrate and you know uh, yeah exactly you know celebrations and commiserations I mean ridiculous and I hadn't made the connection and looking back if we'd had a conversation about our personalities or whatever I don't think I would have said that I was a particularly anxious person Mm -hmm. actually and so it wasn't until I wasn't anymore then I realized oh my god the difference is just incredible it mm. it took a while and then and I and it was really rough to start with I was you know emotionally raw absolutely raw and chaotic and everything was weird totally mm. weird and then when I kind of came through it I suddenly had these kind of feelings of I've heard somebody else describe it I can't remember who it was but I'm going to steal the line it was one of the one of the fabulous authors, it might have been Catherine Gray, but anyway, somebody said, and, and it totally describes me, they said, you know, it took ages, but then I woke up one morning and I couldn't, I couldn't decipher what the feeling was. Like, what is this that I'm feeling? There's something going on. What is it? And then I suddenly thought, okay, this is contentment. <laughs> That's what contentment is. And I don't think I'd ever had it before. Well, certainly not since I was a kid, probably. Yeah. Really, really bizarre. So it's not until I, I had released that anxiety that I even realized how anxious I'd been. Mm. And of course, you know, since then, obviously, I've done lots of research and worked with lots of people, and I now can clearly see the link. I don't know why I couldn't before. I mean, the link is massive. And I can't understand why more isn't done on this. Why is it that people, you know, with suffering from depression and anxiety, why isn't one of the first questions they're asked how's your drinking and actually you know, I think what why such, yeah and unless you've got a health reason as to why you can't just stop you know because obviously mm. if you're yeah, of course if you're further a, down the line then yes. just stopping can be very very dangerous however for a majority of people you know us included in that that was never mentioned to me. No, I, exactly. It was, exactly. you know, here, here's some pharmaceuticals that you can take. Mm. You know, meditation wasn't mentioned, counselling, mm. all that kind of stuff no. wasn't mentioned. I know that, to be fair, I did have to go back to the doctor, unfortunately, quite a few years after I'd had my breakdown. Mm. And the questions they asked and what the options that they offered were vastly different to the mm. kind of two, three years before when right. I'd gone along. And it was like, Here's your meds. Off you go. Good mm. luck. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I'm not. I, I'm obviously not trying to be flippant here and say that, you know, that stop drinking. There's no more anxiety or mental illness. I'm not trying to say that, but I do think it exacerbates it massively. I agree. And the fact that it's not one of the first questions, and I don't mean a doctor saying, well, "How much do you drink?" Because then obviously you lie anyway and say, "Well, oh, not much." <laughs> you know, I don't mean that. I just mean. There needs to be more awareness of this spectrum. I know we, we know that that phrase is grey area drinking. I'm trained as a grey area drinking recovery coach. Mm. Something that's on my mind all the time is this spectrum of grey area drinking. And mm. if more of the medical profession were aware of this spectrum, they could ask people some really important questions. You yeah. know, like the question I love is, you know, instead of saying, "Well, how much am I? How much am I drinking?" and and should I stop drinking? Instead of asking those questions, ask yourself, could my life be better physically and emotionally without alcohol? It doesn't matter how much you're drinking. Actually, you might only be drinking at weekends. You might be drinking, I don't know, less than I was, more than I was. It doesn't matter. Would your life be better without it? And actually, somewhere deep down, if you know the answer is yes, that's, exactly that's when you need support not not antidepressants mm, support yeah. <laughs> maybe antidepressants I don't know yeah, but you have both. to look at the holistic picture don't you but I, yeah Why the amount of people that, that I speak to who are they're drinking too much so maybe they're thinking about stopping or they're you know they, they come across the work that I do and then we'll we might have a conversation and I can't tell you in how many cases we'll dig a bit deeper and they'll say, well, I've had anxiety or I had a, I've had, you know, some trauma or I've had this, I've had that, I'm on antidepressants. And that's been for years, mm-hmm. years. 
and that's and then and sometimes i'll say have you ever been have you ever wondered whether the alcohol is linked in any way whether you know quitting that might you know and never considered it doctor no. never mentioned it never thought about it but no. why would you and that's the thing right why would you unless you knew what we now know, unless you know. I and know. that's the thing is you know and again this is i think one of the issues that i had was i didn't have problematic drinking really you know, on reflection, I can look back and go, well, yeah, actually, I probably spent more days at work hungover than I probably should. And I mm. probably did this and the other, but I worked in sales and events. That's what everyone did. You know, it was very normal. And it never meant I didn't go to work or that, yeah, high you know, I was exactly, but it was like, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't waking up in the morning. And this is the thing I think around alcohol is people have this vision of what an alcoholic is yeah. or what problematic drinking yeah. is. And actually that vision is usually a very minute percentage. Yeah, exactly. There's very problem. few people are actually at rock bottom. Right. Most of us are on that spectrum. And, and, and if you're somewhere on that spectrum, but the medical profession generically see that as you're perfectly fine then. Yeah. And this is the problem. <laughs> when I gave up properly for the, you know, I sort of gave up because I wanted to get back to normal. That was my first rung of it. I was like 18 months. I didn't drink a thing because I wanted to get back to normal, which would include going out and getting pissed every weekend, right? You know, that was normal for me. And then when I started drinking again, I realized that my habits completely changed because I started to notice the effect alcohol was having on me. Mm. Whereas before I'd been drinking, you know, every weekend and sometimes in the week, a few glasses of wine here and there with friends and then, you know, maybe a night out on the weekend for, God, 20 odd years that I hadn't even ever considered what effect that was having on me because I didn't notice yeah. it because it was normal for me. So when I went back to it, I did start to notice quite a vast difference in how I felt after I would drink. Mm. And then what started to happen was I, I was almost like testing different things. Like, okay, well, let's just say I only drink on a Friday night and I only have five drinks or something or whatever which you know might be a lot for some people wasn't a lot for me that's okay it's perfectly within the standard amounts you know whatever and then I still had the anxiety I still had the depressive thoughts I still had this thing and eventually it got to the point where I was drinking say one glass of wine or you know in a week and I was still having the same effect or I would just have you know a couple of glasses of wine a month and I would still have the same effect and after a while you're like like, hold ah, on why am I doing this again <laughs> it's not the volume it's not the volume that yeah. you're having it's not yeah. the amount necessarily it's not the type because I tried mm -hmm. oh okay well Prosecco and tequila are supposed to be uppers you know <laughs> I'll, I'll just drink those and see if that works and after a while I was like this just isn't working and, yeah. and then yeah. I realized similar to you I didn't realize that there were big links between anxiety and alcohol and actually for me as well that was a huge added benefit yeah. Of, of not drinking was that wow this really hadn't really really calmed my anxiety a lot yeah so yeah it's, it's pretty it's amazing I mean I think the other thing for me that the, the main thing was this anxiety but then that that I suppose it's very linked led on to me realizing that that was the missing piece for me in the kind of holistic health jigsaw. Mm. so for years I've you know I've been a sort of queen of holistic health and talking about absolutely everything from good nutrition to what you put on your skin and mm. you know organic skincare and cleaning your home without chemicals and supplements and therapies and treatments everything you know I'm, mm. I'm, I'm you know a font of knowledge and yet I was gaining the booze <laughs> oh my god yeah. it's like how can I not have seen that and I also did a, everything to do with linked spirituality as well so I was constantly talking about the importance of mindset and mindfulness and meditation and, mm. and spirituality. And yet, if you'd asked me, you know, can you take time for meditation or self-love? I'd say, don't be ridiculous. It doesn't work for me. Mm. And it's only when I you know, dipped the booze that I suddenly could get a glimpse of, oh, okay, right. So, so that's, that's how it can work then. So mm. actually, I can start to think about the concept of self-love. I couldn't before. Well, no mm. wonder, because I wasn't, I wasn't authentic mm. at all. Mm. So for me, it was an actual missing link. It's yeah. so fascinating. And, and as time goes on, I see more and more of that, actually. I see lots of, of enlightened people, people who are healthy and spiritual and, and all of that stuff, but they're still caning the booze. Mm. 
It's really interesting. Mm, it is an interesting subject. Has it always been easy for you in terms of the sobriety? What was the journey like for you? Was it quite simple? Was it just a decision and you were like, that's it? Or was it a bit more complicated and up and down? Um, it was, I mean, I took years to actually make it happen properly. I mm. stopped. I was a classic grey area drinker in the sense that I'd stopped drinking lots of times before. Once for about nine months, nine or ten months, and then obviously I've had four kids, so I, I didn't drink in pregnancy. Mm. I remember thinking at the time, oh, this is great not drinking. But of course I went straight back to it. Like, so does everyone. That. I know. But yeah. just because, you know, sort of society, you know, so of course you toast the baby with champagne. <laughs> like, yeah. What the hell? But anyway, so I was kind of classic grey area drinking that I'd stopped lots of times. But the difference this time when I finally stopped for good was that I caught sight I always use this expression on the podcast I I caught sight of a better life without Mm. and I'd never caught sight of that before before it was always okay I'm not drinking because I really need to lose weight or I need a detox or I'm pregnant or I'm Mm. you know I need to do this for a challenge and it was always that sense of deprivation yeah. And what I'm missing out on and quitting, those words quitting. And you'll notice mm. I'd never use that. I never use the phrase give up ever no. because I didn't give up anything. So I now say I ditched the booze. And the reason it stuck is because I caught sight of, of something better. Mm. And that's not to say that it was easy because it really wasn't easy at all. And in fact, now one of the reasons I do the work I do in the sober club is because I now know what I did wrong because <laughs> yeah. I, I should have, I really should have thought about brain chemistry, nutrients, and all of that stuff that I'd been banging on about for years. Of course, I completely forgot, didn't I, for myself. I literally completely forgot everything. You mm-hmm. know, so I wasn't eating really particularly well. I wasn't putting in the right supplements. My brain chemistry was all over the shop. I was really, really up and down emotionally crying everything couldn't Mm. sleep I mean you name it I had it going on I now know there's lots I could have done (laughs) do you think though as well because it'd be interesting to get your input on this around the first time I gave up drinking around three months in maybe four it was somewhere around there between three and four months I totally emotionally lost my shit and the second time even though I wasn't drinking a lot during that period to be fair you know that I sort of decided right that's it I'm not going to drink anymore a similar thing happened not to the extent it happened first time and loads of my friends and loads of people that I've spoke to who are in sobriety for whatever reason have all had a really similar thing around Mm. three or four months in Mm. their emotional life just goes yeah haywire and crazy Mm. yeah it sounds like that was your experience as well. It was. I mean, I mean, I had a good many months that were very up and down. I mean, I think, you know, looking back, I think a lot of this is down to brain chemistry. I now mm. know that. I've done some training and, around it. And I now can see quite clearly that most people I work with, and I'm sure myself included when I first stopped drinking, mm. were really lacking in, in some basics, in some, in some serotonin and dopamine and GABA. Mm. And these are really important. Most people don't eat enough it sounds really obvious but you kind of you're ditching the booze so you're thinking to yourself well I was oh I'm going to lose some weight you know and and so I mustn't mustn't have a cream cake or whatever it might be and I'm not saying you should but the fact of the matter is what you should be focusing on is nourishing and nurturing yourself with really good nutrition and putting back good nutrition so that you can replace that serotonin that GABA or the rest of it through really good food and perhaps supplements and and of course Mm. you need fresh air and you need the self-care and all of this stuff Mm. that I now know I didn't do any of it and yes that emotional hit if you like that kind of dip I think it it can come in well it comes in at different stages but sometimes for people after the novelty has worn mm. off you know you can't oh I've done my 30 days isn't that great or it might be oh I've done three months yeah and you get that kind of pink cloud of mm. wow I've got this then all of a sudden you can crash and burn because what happens is at some point you have to realize actually you're not very mature emotionally <laughs> because yeah. most of us don't have that emotional maturity because yeah. you started drinking when you were really young very you probably yeah, and you probably never went through, you didn't go through very much at all sober. Mm. So it's almost relearning everything. Oh, so I found myself kind of behaving badly, you know, being just sort of a bit, you know, just saying mean stuff and just being really 
I don't know, just really weird. I had to really notice what was going on. Mm. And, I, and I had to kind of recognize, okay, well, in the past, whenever I had that feeling, whatever it was, whether it was annoyance with someone mm. or irritation or jealousy or whatever, in the past, I just would have numbed it with booze. Yeah. But now all of a sudden, you know, you've got life in Technicolor and you can't numb it with booze anymore. So you know what? You've got to look at it. Mm. And that's hard. Yeah, it is. But it's not impossible because you do become more resilient. But oh, in the, the first time this, this stuff happens to you, that's when you've really got to play that tape forward and go, mm. okay, well, this is real life happening to me here and it's crap and mm. I feel crap and I'm really upset or emotional or fearful or whatever it might be. And I'm not going to numb it with a drink. What else is in my toolbox mm. to get over it? I think as well, like I found it's been really interesting how relationships have developed because there's certain things you can't ignore anymore. Yes. Oh, totally. Totally. So, you know, if you, there's certain people that you can probably, you know, well, we'll go for a couple of glasses of wine and we'll get on and it's fine. But sober, you're like, mm -mm, mm. no. And other things around like just being honest in, mm. yep. in relationships about, how I feel, which I never actually had this confidence before to say, this isn't working for me. No, or, absolutely. Actually, I did agree to doing this, but I've changed my mind and I don't want to do it anymore. Yeah, you, um, you do become so much stronger, that, don't you? More authentic. It's so true. And I feel like it actually also enables the people around you to do the same. Mm. And I've very much found the same around like my journey with meditation and, and these other healing techniques and different things that as I've grown as a person and become, you know, more self-aware, kinder, more mm. compassionate towards other people, had a bit more boundaries and been a bit clearer about what I need and what I want. It actually yeah. gives people in my life permission to do the same. Yeah. And I think that's really powerful is then you start to see this thing. Like I've had a few people message me, you know, privately saying, Oh, I've seen that you've given up drinking. How did you do that? How was it? You know, and they're sort of, you know, obviously thinking about it in mm. their heads. And, mm. you know, recently I met up with a, a very good friend of mine. I hadn't seen her in a really long time. And she just went, you look so well. Oh my mm. God. You know, you look incredible. She was like, can't believe we're only a couple of years apart, you know. And I said, "Well, I don't drink or smoke, and I don't, you know." There's all these things that I'm doing similar to you now. I'm much more co conscious about nutrition, supplements, all these different things, and, and I'm happy, you know. So yeah, the big thing, I think, happiness thing is, isn't it? That's the thing is that you know, it's that to quote Catherine Gray, you know, that unexpected joy of yeah. sobriety. Who would have thought? I mean, who would have thought that? I just could never have imagined that. I could, I could before. I could only visualize how I might possibly be able to white knuckle it through, you know, yes. without drinking and how, oh, I can maybe do that. And, and I'll, I can use willpower and I can use strength and mm. I can use, and, and I'm, maybe I am strong enough to do it. All of those thoughts were in my mind. I could just could never have imagined. That's, this is what I, I mean when I say, you know, catching sight of, mm. of a better life, of, of joy without mm. booze. That's the bit that I think, that's what people, if people can catch sight of that, then it's worth doing. That's an amazing motivation. Oh, completely. You can't see it when you're not, until no. you, you, can't, you can't see it at first. You, no. have, to, you have to just trust. And when people mm. tell you, that, so that's why the podcast and the, and, the, and the quitlet, you know, the books really, mm. really helped me. I totally immersed myself in all of that. Mm. That, was what, that was what kept me going. I think, you know, this is one of the reasons I love doing this podcast is mm. just sharing sharing conversations and sharing people's experience because similarly that's how I got well yeah. at the beginning it was like you know I was laying in bed and I was depressed and I couldn't do anything I was completely useless really and it was watching at that point podcasts were not a thing you know but I was mm. watching YouTube a lot mm. and I was watching talks on YouTube and you know Oprah interviewing people and people like you know Gabrielle Bernstein mm, teaching mm. you little meditations that you could do and yeah. Louise Hay, you know, telling you how to love yourself and look in the mirror and tell yourself you love yourself and all that kind of stuff. And I remember eye rolling a bit and thinking, oh God, this hippy dippy kind of woo woo crap, you know, whatever. And then I think, well, quite a lot of people are all saying the same thing. Maybe you should just give it a go. <laughs> and then you start giving it a go and you, you know, you might trip up a couple of times, it's like learning anything, isn't it? You kind yeah. of try it, you fall over, you get up again and you dust yourself off and you try again. And then after a while, you're like, hang on a minute, I don't think I've ever been this happy or content or comfortable yeah. in my life. This is incredible. More people need to know about this. I know, <laughs> I know. That's exactly <laughs> it. That's, that's it. 
Well, then you just want to shout, <laughs> shout about it from the rooftops, you know. Yeah. So what advice would you give to your younger self? So if you could go back in time, young Jane, God, what, what yeah. would you say to her? Never start drinking. <laughs> oh, God. You know, people say no regrets, don't they? Don't have mm. any regrets. I mean, I do. I do regret that I didn't stop earlier. I really mm. do. I really, really do. But, you know, better late than never. But yeah, I would say to my younger self, you know, just have trust and do focus on, on you know, self-love and self-care because it's so mm. important. And mm. I had years and years and years and years where I understood the concept of that, but I didn't think it applied to me. Quite yeah. bizarre, actually. When I look back, all the years I, you know, I've interviewed all the Hay House authors and I was, you know, I've been so steeped in that world. And yet somehow I thought it was perfectly fine, but it didn't apply to me. Mm. only applied to everyone else and I could share the benefits of this and talk about it. Mm. <laughs> but it but it wasn't the same for me because what I don't know do you know it's interesting that you say that because I was talking to somebody the other day and I was you know I'm looking at a few new things that I might be doing with, with the business and various things and as we were chatting he was like you know what's your business and what do you actually do for people and we were chatting about it and blah 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 and I was explaining, oh, I help people with, you know, anxiety and, and I do this and I support people. And it's really about truthfulness and support and love and compassion. He's like, I don't think that's what you do. And I was like, oh, okay, what, what do you think I do? And he's like, I think it's your job to get people to be honest with themselves. Mm. And I was like, whoa. And it was this real like you know when someone says something and it sort of like hits you in the face and I think that's really similar to what you're saying it's that whole thing of how these webs that we weave around ourselves just to keep ourselves safe as well this isn't because anyone's bad or we're doing something wrong it's like we don't want to think about the horrible things that we think about ourselves Mm. you know and for me for many years I remember it's very clearly this literal moment of sitting in my parents house and sitting up in bed one day and just suddenly going, oh my God, I really hate myself. Mm. And I had this like penny drop moment of, of realization that that's why I've got all these behaviors because I really hate myself. And so I'm constantly digging myself out all the time. Yeah. You know, I, I, don't, I don't really go for the things that I want because I don't think that I deserve them. I don't really treat my body with respect I don't care about the food that I put in it or how much I drink or how much sleep I get or anything like that because I don't really care Mm. about the well-being of my my own body or my own self and actually I think when you have that that wake-up call like you've just said where you're like I've just got to be kind of honest with myself and realize well actually no that isn't okay for all those people and not for me it is for all of us yeah it's pretty mad awakening moment isn't it of like, it really wow. is it really is amazing the difference the difference is amazing mm. yeah it's so true what do you wish you'd known about sobriety before you oh, started well, this journey just that it's that you really are not giving up anything at all that you're only gaining and the sooner you can get on that path you know the quicker you'll get off it and also that you don't need to make it as hard for yourself as I made it you know that there are a few key things I really think that number one immerse yourself get connected you know that's why I do things like the sober club and the podcast because I think the more you can get connections with other people and be inspired you know by other people and and Mm -hmm. held accountable is is is, you know the better it is that finding your tribe I think is absolutely critical in whatever Mm -hmm. way you do that but also recognizing that you are in recovery. And what I mean by that is if you, you'd had an injury, you know, or you'd, you'd had a serious illness, you would nurture yourself. You know, you would recognize, okay, I've got to stay in my PJs. I've got to get an early night. I've got to have a really great herbal tea. I've got to nourish myself with really good food. I need some supplements. I need some fresh air. That's what you do. Or you'd do that for a friend mm. if they came to stay, wouldn't, they? wouldn't you? If they, were, yeah. if they were in need, if they were not feeling well, you would, you would nurture them. And yet we don't do that to ourselves usually. We, we, we battle on, we try and stop ourselves from having anything good because we want to lose weight or whatever hell is going on in our head. And we forget to nurture ourselves. And actually, I think that that's key. 
So I think, go the other way, like me, and get addicted to really cheap dairy milk and eat bars and well, bars of it because you well, think it's there a is, treat. There often, there often is, there often is cross addiction going on, and that's <laughs> that can be really, really difficult as well. Oh, people have, you know, go on to sugar or, yeah. or or whatever. And and again, I think if you can get support right at the beginning, yeah. you can make this journey so much easier for yourself. And it will still be tough because anything worth doing mm. is tough for a bit, but it, you, you can make it a lot easier than I did for me. I now know that, you know. Yeah. Um, and I've supported lots of people through that. And it's an amazing when you sort of see them and then they'll put a message on in my group and they'll go, oh my God, you know, it's like the sun's come out. Suddenly I, I feel amazing. It's like, yeah. Yes. You know, it makes you, such a difference. You, you know, they've kind of struggled through something. I remember we had one, to give an example, there was one woman who, she was, a, she was probably at that kind of three month kind of period mm. that you were talking about and she was and she's really doing well and solid in her sobriety as it were and then she got to an airport and there's that thing isn't there about traveling that all of a sudden we all think you know we lose track of time don't we if it's 7 a.m or must have a drink from on the plane mm. <laughs> that, that weird thing and she got to the airport about to do a long-haul flight which she does lots lots of times and suddenly it was this sort of craving that came from nowhere of, well, this is what I always do. I always have alcohol. Mm. That's, that's what I do on a long haul flight. Mm. And it was almost like her kind of inner toddler was sort of saying, I want this. You know, how yeah. dare you deprive me of what I need on this? And she just needed to actually talk to a few people. And lots of yeah. people said, right, go and do this. Go and get a nice glass and have something else in it and mm. treat yourself to some really good chocolate and just do a little mindfulness exercise mm. play the tape forward how are you going to feel when you arrive and she did all of that and of course had an amazing flight and said oh my god I wasn't even jet lagged because yeah. what do you know actually jet lag is not such a thing when you don't drink the whole way there but it was so interesting because it was like this little inner toddler popping up to say I want this mm. And the fact of the matter is, if she'd chosen to have it, she can have it. There's that yeah. weird thing of, I want it, but I don't want it. Okay, well, let's have a look at that then. Do you actually really want it? No. Yeah. I've talked about <laughs> this, actually. I don't think I've talked about it on the podcast, though, around reframing treats. Yes, Because God, the yes. things that we think are a treat are often actually not a treat at all. No, totally. So it's like, you know, oh, I'll have some cheap chocolate that's yeah. full of sugar and whatever what yeah. a treat or a big fat cream cake what a treat or like yeah. we never think of like oh i'll go and get myself a nice back massage that's mm, a treat mm, it's like well that's mm. quite expensive though or whatever yeah. or it's like you'd go and spend like i don't know 25 quid potentially on a bottle of wine or 30 quid on a bottle of vodka or whatever yeah but you wouldn't necessarily spend 30 pounds on a half an hour back massage yeah i mean you, to it, a yoga it's, class really it's really important i think to reframe all of that you're absolutely right i mean i always tell people to have when this stop is to get a, a glass jar or a vase and put physical cash in there that you've mm. spent on food and if you used to pay for it by credit card go and draw it out and actually mm. go and draw it at least for the first month because it's fantastic watching that jar <laughs> full of notes yeah oh my god I would have literally, literally pissed that money away yeah. on booze. And then I've got all this money. And I can, I, well, people say, talk about saving money. You don't save money, but you reallocate it yeah. to something that's actually good for you. Yeah, you know, book completely. a retreat or, or have amazing coffee or have, you know, beautiful organic skincare or whatever it is for you. Mm. And, it, and it might be lots of things that don't even cost money. And if you don't need the money, give the money away. How much yeah. better is that than drinking it? You know? Yeah, and maybe even donate it to someone. Exactly, where it's exactly, help that exactly. Are on that same journey. You know? Totally, it's a beautiful, beautiful idea. So, anything else that you wanted to add? Any tips you might have for people? Anything you wish I'd asked you that I haven't asked you? I think really for me, the message is just for anyone who's kind of at the early stages or thinking about this, just do that thing that I talk about. Try and catch sight of a better life that you could not have imagined. Mm. And if you can just catch sight of that, it means immersing yourself in the inspiration. So, mm. you know, podcasts, Quitlet, and get support. And, and, and just, you know, just use that curious phrase, you know, be curious. I also tell people to be self-care curious. That's my latest thing that I'm saying to people because I recognize that just like me, so many people who used to drink all the time really don't understand self-care, they don't do self-care, they mm. talk about it, but don't actually do it. 
yeah. don't really know what it means really don't mm. just you know as you say they're, they're so steeped in a, a, a treat being to open a, a bottle of wine they don't actually they haven't grasped what what they really need and it I can see. be something really simple and it doesn't have to cost anything at all no I um, think it's really interesting around that whole self-care thing as well because I think Instagram and these various platforms have got quite a lot to answer for in terms of a lot of the time it looks like you know oh self-care and it's a turmeric latte and mm, brand mm, new clothes and this that mm, and the other and actually mm. sometimes self-care is just having it, a nice bath or, or saying no or saying out. no exactly that's just like, what i was just gonna say you know it, equally going to therapy and yeah. facing your demons working through trauma like that is yeah. self-care and it doesn't look totally pretty. totally and you can't instagram i mean you could instagram it if you wanted to <laughs> but most people probably wouldn't you yeah. know and actually yeah. a lot of the work that goes on behind closed doors when you give up alcohol or anything any coping mechanism that you've been using mm. to manage your emotional self right and av- avoid th- mm. those feelings of pain or despair or upset or whatever it is for you when you give that up sometimes it's it's not pretty no I, I, absolutely it, that's so true and, and, and I think that fear of that mm. can be what stops a lot of people from even beginning because they know deep down that they've got some mm. massive stuff they know why they're drinking because yeah. deep down they know they've got some massive stuff that they need to keep numbing mm. out and they don't want to look at and and so that's that can feel really hard because mm. you know you can kind of understand why someone with a lot of that going on would would think that that's the only way yeah. and all I can say is and I've seen it many times now is yes there will come a time in the future when you're gonna have to look at that and it may not be you know, fabulous because mm. these things aren't. But, and this is really important, you become so much more resilient mm. and you go into whatever it is you're dealing with from a different place, a place of hope. Yes. And potential, you know, yes. that that you wouldn't have seen before. So it makes you so much stronger to be able to deal with it. And um, the lightness, you know, like that's the thing I can't quite fathom is the lightness of, you know, what once you've worked through a lot of that stuff and you've genuinely let it go and forgiven what needs to be forgiven and all that stuff. And it it can be messy when you're going through it. Don't get me wrong, you know, I'm not gonna sit here and pretend like therapy's fun. It's it's not. But on the flip side of it, the freedom and the lightness and like how yeah. much power you feel like you've got, you know, it's like wow. Life yeah. isn't happening to me. I don't have to be this kind of passive person that puts up with all this stuff. Like I can be really strong and really powerful and really resilient. And yeah. it's just such a nice place to be in. Well, I think that's the other thing that I find so often with people that I've worked with is that once they've overcome this massive thing, which is the mm. most massive thing you'll ever have to do, in my opinion, mm. suddenly you get a sense of how different lots of things can be I've, I've mm. known people who have changed relationships changed jobs started a business decided they want to travel written a book I mean it's amazing the yeah. world opens up the potential is there yes. and there's that lovely phrase isn't there alcohol steals your joy and being sober can make you brave and it yeah. really is that sense of bravery for what might be there for you next how much, I love that. how much time you have I know I mean that's you really can what, write that book yeah exactly <laughs> exactly that's what I love focusing on in 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 the sober club we're much more about what's next you know mm. it's a little bit of get the buzz without the booze and how to stop but it's really much more I mean I've got people in there have been sober a few days and people have been sober four or five years mm. and they're now going okay what's what's, what's next? world's opening up for me what's next yeah. you know one woman has is, is gone back to her painting and found, finding she's an incredible artist. And how amazing, whatever incredible. age you are, it's 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 beautiful, beautiful thing. It's really, really is incredible. Because when you think about it, I mean, God, it's just sitting boozing all the time. How much time does it waste and money and God, oh, God. That's yeah. a, no regrets. No regrets. But I do have some. <laughs> It's weird because I don't really have I don't really have any regrets. Well, you're younger than me. You stopped um, sooner. <laughs> yeah, maybe. But I think also it's like I learned so much from yeah, those times that. and those interactions. And I think actually if oh, I don't know what would have happened if I I never drank. I can't really imagine my life without it. But you know, I think actually 
it is like a new chapter when when you stop and it is like this whole extra layer of something that opens up that you didn't yeah. see before yeah. and I think the more people that can you know even if you just have a break for a while and, yeah. and just to be able to see what that might look like totally and yeah. then just reevaluate from there you know it's yeah. like yeah I just think giving people that opportunity to because I didn't even I would never have even considered it as an option to stop drinking it wasn't even on my it didn't even register on my radar at all and even when I first stopped it was only to get back to it it wasn't mm, mm. stopping to stop you know it was just yeah. like oh well I'm just a bit unwell at the moment I'll I'll be back to normal soon and I think actually we just need to reframe that whole thing of what's normal exactly and you know that maybe that it's actually normal to be sober yes <laughs> and exactly. everything else is an addition and and that's okay you know so Mm. yeah oh it's been mm. such a, a pleasure to have you on Jenny. is there any other sort of final advice you'd want to give to anyone I mean I think that just back on this thing of immersing yourself in the inspiration I think what's needed is to I, this other phrase that I use a lot is emotions not logic inspire action and what I mean by mm. that is we do need to know the logic but when I think back I didn't know at some deep level that alcohol wasn't good for me. Of course, I saw the articles that said it's linked to seven types of cancer and et cetera, et cetera. Of course, I saw all of that, but I didn't feel it emotionally. Mm. So what I now recommend is that people do some of that groundwork and they, they read some of the logical stuff. So, so pick up a copy of you know, William Porter's Alcohol Explained and Jason Vale Kick the Drink Easily and mm. Professor David Nutt Drink and what, and, and, Get yourself armed with some facts mm. around then work on the inspiration at the emotional level so read about other people who have been there done it got the t-shirt gone through the journey so that you've got the inspirational side of it and I think when you can immerse yourself in both then you get it it's like the light comes on there and it's like okay so so this is really bad for me but how does it make me actually feel when I think about it and that's when you can catch sight of well, actually, the idea of a life of absolute freedom, like I've just read that person's book, <laughs> you know, like mm. I've seen those two people talking about, they seem happy. Wow, I quite like the idea of that. So it's catching sight of that that, that motivates you to get through the tough bit. I completely agree. So if people want to get hold of you, what's the best way for them to find out more about Jane Lee Grace? How do they? How do yeah, they so if you look at thesoberclub.com, we've got some blog posts on there and obviously you can listen to the podcasts and they, you can sign up to get my emails and stuff. And then obviously there's a membership site if you wanted to join us, you're very welcome. And then the, the podcast is Alcohol Free Life. That's obviously free to listen to weekly and on Instagram and everywhere else at Jane Lee Grace. And I'll put the links underneath. Thank Great. you so much for Thank sharing you. all your wisdom. Lovely to chat to you. Take Bye. care. Bye. If you enjoyed listening, why not leave us a review? It really does help other people to find this podcast and enjoy it too. Feel free to share it with friends and family members that you think it might be useful to. Thanks so much for listening. See you next time.